0: Welcome to episode 25 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot and Theo. So first and foremost, how are you doing, Theo?
1: I'm good, thanks. Slowly, i have recovered from the penalties last night and we got the win. So that's important and looking forward to the game Saturday now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a good game. It was a good game and um, obviously the atmosphere looked amazing as well. But um, let's just get straight into it as always. Um, nerve-wracking end to the game but before let's go all the way back to the very start so 10 changes uh, were made by Thomas Tuchel which was quite obviously a big dramatic change but what was your thoughts seeing the lineup? we kind of spoke about it in the previous episode that there were going to be changes but did you expect 10?
1: Ten's quite a lot I didn't expect 10, if I'm honest. If you think of it, that's every single player except for Kepa um, that um, didn't feature against um, against uh, Tottenham on Sunday. So it's a lot of changes. I expected many changes, but not as many as maybe seeing players like Malang Sa feature. And, um, but yeah, then it just goes to show that we have that depth in the squad to feel two very strong starting 11s within um, you know, a couple of days apart.
0: Yeah, and, and to be honest, I think it was... Um you know, it was always going to be difficult, I think, to get the team. You made that many changes in, in a squad that's used to playing together in a system that works, then, uh, then having to, to almost dismantle that, bring it back together and then put all these players together who technically are almost fringe players at the club. A lot of them, you know, look at, look at like Ross Barkley or like you just mentioned, Malang Sarr, who, you know, sort of got a bit of game time. But it was good to see, um, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek back in the fold, Ben Chilwell who spoke about previously on here as well getting game time as well but I just wanted to um, yeah let's talk about Ruben Loftus-Cheek who I felt last night ran the show it was almost I think you put out a tweet it was almost like the old Ruben you know Mm -hmm. that we'd we'd known before the injury so just obviously being at the game what was the impact that he had
1: um, for for Chelsea? He was brilliant absolutely brilliant Um, as I yeah my tweet was kind of you know putting him in that kit that we wore in 2018 and 19 something along the lines of he's back you know because he he played he played as well as he did under the the sorry season and that Europa League campaign Um, dribbling past players winning the ball back doing a lot of defensive work which maybe we didn't see so much during um, you know the old uh, the previous seasons that we've watched Ruben Loftus cheek so maybe that's something that Tuchel's you know worked on with him in pre-season and the trainings he's had with him. But there's no, you know, there's nothing that, say that says that if he plays like that um, week in, week out, that he shouldn't be starting or at least, um, you know, giving giving Tuchel a bit of a, you know, a good headache, I suppose, and saying I should be starting. I should be, you know, whether it's that midfield role or just behind the striker, I think he's good enough to play either one.
0: Yeah, he was, I mean, look, we know, we know the the talent that he's got. He's still relatively young in terms of where he's going to be playing in in, in a, a midfield. And I think he's, um, he's a massive injury to come back from. And we spoke about the fact that Tuchel's praised him a lot. You know, he's mentioned um, comparisons as well of who he, he, he takes a liking to as well. So I think he's got a, a massive role to play for us at the club as well. But another player that I wanted to talk about, and there was mixed emotions about him, um, during the game yesterday was Callum Hudson Odoi, who some people said that he potentially didn't have the best of best of games. And I, I, you know, I do kind of understand where that you know those kind of fans are coming from who say that he is probably potentially a championship player, which is some of the things that were, were being batted around last night. But I do feel like he's a good player. I just think that the fight he, he almost when I speak about adam Traoré from Wolves, I almost think about Callum Hudson Odoi who has got everything that you would want in a right winger or left winger or a right uh, right back, you know. Um, but he just doesn't have that final ball, that final product at the end of it. And I just wanted to get your opinion. Is that kind of what you think or, or, or do you think he is good enough to be at Chelsea?
1: I definitely feel like he's good enough to be in the Chelsea squad. Starting every week, maybe that's come a bit, you know, it's a bit too early. He, I think he was only maybe 17 or maybe even 16 and there was still a lot yeah. of hype around him and he started his first FA Cup game um, for Chelsea under Conte. But I would actually have to disagree. I thought he played quite well yesterday. Um, I was sitting in the east stand lower, um, the north section. So in the second half, I kind of saw him, you know, run down the the right wing and he was giving Ashley Young quite a torrid time, if I'm honest. Um, and he was quite, he was unlucky enough to score a few times, you know, he cut into the box. I think the second choice Villa keeper made a good save at one point from him. But, um, you know, he was creating chances. He was making those runs. He was dribbling past players. Maybe his actual kind of, you know, Decision making at time could be slightly better, but I still think we have to remember he's young. I think he was he was put a lot of pressure on at a young uh, at an early age, and maybe that's kind of gone into his head now, and he thinks maybe he's already reached his ceiling, which he hasn't, if I'm honest. Um, so looking back, maybe in the summer move to Dortmund could have been great for him. But at the same time, you know, I'm, when I said I move to Dortmund, I'm going to Um But at the same time, he's in the Chelsea squad now. He gives us that option at right wing back when we don't want to play Aspie or rhys James. And I think he's a brilliant squad player to have, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench or whether he plays the cup games in the Champions League group stage games. But overall, a brilliant player to have.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be a shame to lose him. We've 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 made that mistake many a times before where we've lost a, a great talent. They've gone on to do so much better. You know, we could reel off four or five names now. You know, Mohamed Salah, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, you know, there's so many more that we've had at the club. Lukaku first time round as well. Exactly. You know, we've had so many of them and we end up regretting them. You know, they go on leaps and bounds. And I think he's one of those players that just never really has um, cemented his time at the club in in terms of regular football at Chelsea. And I think that time still can come for him. I think he's still got age on his side. Like I've said, he's got bags of talent I just think he needs a run of games where potentially, he, you know, he fits into the squad somehow. I don't know if that's an unfortunate sort of injury that we might pick up or a long suspension. And, he, he, you know, he builds up a bit of form and took or see something. But I do think he's got a massive part to play um, for us. You know, I think he's such a, a good talent. And I, I do, like I've just mentioned, I do think, you know, that final sort of, you know, he gets into the right spaces. He beats he can beat his man, which we've seen plenty of times before, but then it's just that sort of final product into the box Mm -hmm. or, you know, that's the bit I think he needs to work on. But like you've mentioned, you know, he's got age, you know, he's young, he's got age on on his side as well. But another player that I sort of was, yeah, sort of, you know, rolling the eyes a few times was Malang Sa. And I don't know whether, I mean, obviously he was at the game, so he might have a, a, a totally separate opinion, but I just felt he, he doesn't look like a centre-back to me. And I don't mm. know whether it's based on his height. He's not the tallest when you think about centre-backs. Or it's just the fact he, again, you know, we're talking about 10 players who potentially have never really played a competitive match together at all. So it could just be the fact that, that there was no sort of flow within that team. But it just didn't seem like he was at, on the pace of the game. He doesn't look like, he doesn't look like a centre-back to me. But what, what's your thoughts on Malang Sa?
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Doesn't He's kind of build and his physique doesn't really, you know, scream centre-back when you compare that to, you know, a Rudiger, a Zuma, even a uh, Thiago Silva, who, you know, he looks a lot more comfortable on the ball. But I feel like, I'm not sure about his age, but I know that he was quite important in Porto's run to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Yeah. I think that move was very good for him for experience. and uh, we, we brought him in from Nice um, last summer for a reason that we do see something in this player. I don't think he had a poor game yesterday. I don't think he, or he necessarily had a very good game either, but um, he, he got the job done. I think he, he got some, a bit of a silly yellow card in the first half. And you know, that type of player that maybe you're thinking, shoot, he's on a yellow card. You know, do you take him off at half time? Do you maybe bring in um, Thiago Silva, who's on the bench just to like, so we keep it at 11 players? Because, um, you know, he's maybe still getting, you know, adapting to the pace of the, you know, English football. And, you know, Marlon San on a yellow card in the first half is, you know, it's a bit. I'm getting a bit panicky. So, um, but no, I think he will. He will adapt very quickly to Premier League, um, Premier League football and English football. But I think he's another one of those players, maybe that I think we, alongside Ross Barkley, that we wanted to loan out, maybe, but we couldn't find him a club. I think there was yeah. talks of him going to a German club. I can't remember if it was Frankfurt or another club in Germany that wanted to try to sign him. But um, he's in the squad now, and this is what I like with Tuchel. And you know, maybe a Barkley or a Saad, they wouldn't have featured any uh, under any other manager because they were in their plans initially in the summer but they're in the squad now and Tuchel's making the most out of them. So um, fair play to him. Yeah, no, it makes
0: sense as well. I think, um, you know, obviously if he's in the squad, I think I said it a few weeks ago, we've got got to play him, you know, and I think utilise him in these sort of games where, you know, we can rest... you know, our main centre-backs, we can rest them and we've got the, the depth which we've spoke about plenty of times on here as well. But I do feel, feel Villa gave us a really good game first half. I think they had, a, uh, you know, three shots on target, five five shots, but three on target, um, 31% possession. I do feel that they had their chances and I remember messaging you at half-time around Cameron Archer who I've watched in the previous round. I think he scored a hat-trick in the previous round um, and I knew that he had that sort of talent in him to, to score. So, um, we'll get on to the goal that they score but in terms of Angolo Kante who I think was quite an, ivory rouser, an eyebrow raiser for all of us in terms of the fact that he started him knowing that he came off at half time it's not an injury it was just the fact that Thomas Tuchel wanted him to get a few more minutes under his belt before Man City it was actually quite a very good um, tactical stroke of genius from Tuchel because you rest in Kante for 45 minutes but you're also bringing on someone who can change the game Mason mount as well so um what was your thoughts on Kante first of all because I think i, I you know we really didn't see him as captain but also he had a real, i mean it was a quiet game for kante, but still very um you know made a difference
1: yeah i mean when you see Kante starting you know what you're getting and I do recall a few balls that you know he won and he intercepted but i'm also glad that he came off at half time and now you know can we wrap him up in um in a in a in a, in what you call it, bubble, bubble wrap and you keep him safe for, um, for Saturday. Um, so I'm glad that he didn't play that second half and you know he's got a recurring issue of injuries. So he's safe yeah. now for the City game. I'm glad to hear that it wasn't an injury. And, I, and if I'm honest, it's another kind of Tuchel, you know, stroke. He's a very a genius moment from Tuchel because Mount, I felt, did change the, the game out, um, when he came on at halftime. First half felt very lackluster from Chelsea. I can only recall maybe one chance where Ziyech tried to shoot um shoot it from with his left foot, but otherwise it was a really tame performance in that the first forty five second half mount comes on, and it wasn't the uh, you know the same mount that we saw in the first half of the villa game or even against Zenit I felt he was back to his best he was superb creating chances you know driving the ball up the pitch um playing it well with the two um with the two other midfielders loftus cheek and um and uh, i think it was a uh, sound at the time sound yep. yeah and um, so I think uh, that was a great decision from Tuchel to um to bring Mount on and I'm glad as well that Kanté's now um fit and ready to go on um Saturday at
0: 12:30. Yeah, he's key. He's got to be key for Saturday mm. 100%. Um but it was good also to see um a, play, a player who's got a lot of stick a lot of stick from me as well um at times but Timo Werner to see him on the the score sheet and to see what it actually meant for him again to score. It must have been a great feeling for him because I think he's, you know, not just myself, but I know there's a lot of people that have been wanting him to score, wanting him to do well in terms of goal scoring and, and you know, peach of a pass from Reese James um, for, for the goal. But Timo Werner, it, this is what we need to see from him, surely, mm. you know, a few more goals, but it's not just his goals. I think even the fact that he can, I mean, he stretches defenses. He does so much work off the ball. It's just it goes unnoticed and I think that's potentially why some people don't necessarily see what he's actually doing in the game. They just see that he's not scoring or he might miss a few chances but he's actually doing a lot off, off the ball, you know, making a lot of good runs as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, just talking of runs off the ball, Champions League final, you know, his run takes Zinchenko out of the game and then allows Havertz to cut in and be through on yeah. goal with, against Edison. Then we know what happens afterwards but um, he, he, he had a good game yesterday and what I like is one, a lot of rival fans, you know, kind of look at Chelsea fans and say, Oh, you know, what do you make of Timo Werner? He's, you know, he's had an awful first season or whatever. We kind of, when we say as Chelsea fans, we're entitled to criticize him, but we criticize him more because we know what he's capable of and we want him to be, you know, back to his Bundesliga best. And um, if you Chelsea fans of Stanford Bridge all 90 minutes and, you know, even during the penalties, just chanting his name all throughout the game. So it's kind of, you know, the Sanford Bridge backing him and, so it's great to see. And I thought, you know, that header he scored was, you know, almost symbol- identical to the one that um, Lukaku scored against Zenit. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's got that, you know, ability now to score headers, aerial ability. And last season, you just know that ball's probably, you know, hitting his shoulder or his arm and going for a for a goal kick or something like that. So um, I think now that maybe, maybe the fact that he's not a guaranteed starter in every game either probably means he's got more of a point to prove when he does get his 90 minutes and he wants to take it well. So... um no, I'm glad he got on a score sheet, and I did predict he'd score first on the app, so got that one spot on okay. as well.
0: I got my yeah. prediction completely wrong. I think I four well. <laughs> I think I've been very, very ambitious, but um, mm. technically it was four. I think we scored four penalties, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but um, m- moving on, I mean, obviously, their, their goal, Cameron Archer, was a brilliant goal. I think two goalkeepers potentially wouldn't have saved that. It was that yeah. good of a goal, it was, it was a really well taken goal. But I want to talk about Keppa, who we briefly touched on last last episode but I just feel like he's a goalkeeper very similar to what I said in the last episode actually just you know he's obviously matured a lot he seems very more comfortable in in goal now my question to you is is he good enough sorry is he too good enough to be a number two
1: (sighs) It's getting to that stage now where last season him being number two was completely justified. But this season, now that he's putting in these performances under the two core, you know, keeping clean sheets, making game winning saves, which he put he made a fantastic save from, uh, I think it might have been Archer. I'm not too yeah. sure. And then I think Rhys James cleared it off the line after. And he made a great save against Son on, um, on Sunday. He's making he's he's almost I don't know, I think he is good enough to start as a first choice, which is a shame because as Chelsea fans, you love having him in the squad. And knowing that he's capable of playing these type of games, you know, with the FA Cup, you know, first couple of rounds, or even up, you know, he played up to the final last season. So um, he's definitely good enough to to be um, to be number one elsewhere, or even I'm starting to think, is he good enough to be number one at Chelsea? As much as Mendy is good, you start to think with the defence that we have now in front of us, and you know, the way that two cores, you know, created this, you know, strategy and team to kind of play defensive football and also but keep clean sheets. You're thinking, you know, would you know, would you know all these Ke- Mendy clean, um, clean sheets would Keppa be keep, be keeping them too? It's quite a I don't know. I do remember a few um a few Premier League games last season where Keppa did play and he did keep clean sheets. I think the Brighton one, the 0-0, I think he started that. I think there were a few others where we did recall on I think him in the two was Everton as
0: well. I don't know if that was
1: in the cup or sure he played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season. When we beat him two 0 at Stanford Bridge, and he yeah. Pe- yeah. I think it was the the one nil where we lost to the Arsenal, but that goal was kind of Jorginho's, you know, yeah, wrongdoing. Yeah. So um yeah. so um no, I think he's definitely good enough to be first choice, whether it's at Chelsea or somewhere else. But as I said, it's almost sad for Chelsea fans because I think it will be somewhere else in the end. And that means them yeah. departing in the summer.
0: Yeah, and I think he will. I think if he keeps up this sort of form, you know, last summer we probably would have said no clubs would well, no clubs did come in for him whether that was a loan or for, for a, you know, a permanent move. But I think if he puts in these performances, even when he gets a chance at Chelsea with the World Cup coming up next year as well, uh, you know, I can honestly see, you know, a European club. I don't, I don't want to name any, but another a European club, a big one coming in for him just to, you know, to pay the, you know, even if it's a loan, I can see people now potentially looking to to pay his wages with the option to buy, you know, at the end of that season. So I think he's, Definitely in the right direction, but for all the wrong reasons as a Chelsea fan, because obviously, mm. like you just said, you know, we want to keep him. You know, he is a good goalkeeper and we've always said that. But I just think, like I mentioned on the last episode, the, the pressure is now, uh, the pressure was on him, but it's now off him. So I just feel like he's he's been able to mature as a person, mature, develop his his, his sort of skills as a goalkeeper. And he's done it really well. You know, like you mentioned yesterday, another clean sheet for him as well. I think he's broke the record now as well. Um
1: in no, terms no, of the, uh, no, no clean game. sheet yesterday, unfortunately. No clean sheet yesterday. But
0: yeah, yeah. But uh um, yeah, record he's
1: yeah. got I he's got seven seven saves in penalty shootouts. And yeah. the save he did against um yesterday made made him you know overtake Petacek, who's on six. And to think he's yeah. only been here for four seasons, I think he's been involved in maybe four penalty shootouts. Seven yeah. penalty saves. That's a very good um, you know. A very good
0: number. So, um it's massive, what's a really good record when you think about it. A really it. good
1: record, the
0: short, yeah. Yeah, the short time that he's had to do that as well, you know, it's a, it's a good, it's a good record. It'd be a shame to lose him, really would, but, you know, if he's good enough, you know, we've got Bettinelli there as well. We might bring someone else in, you never know, but, like you said as well, Mendy may not actually be the one that we need in goal, could be Kepa. So, you know, I think if he carries on playing the way he does, he's got every right to, you know, fight for the position back as number one, you know, first choice goalkeeper. Um, but brilliant penalties. Let's talk about them quickly. Um, none of them really worried me apart from Russ Barkley's, if I'm honest. I was very worried. I don't know why. I'm not sure.
1: For the Valencia um, home game in the Champions League, probably still having nightmares yeah. about that, yeah.
0: Potentially, potentially, but I was I was a bit worried about Ross Barclays and a bit of re James, only because he did look a bit nervous, but mm. um, well-taken penalties from, from you know, all the Chelsea lads um, and obviously, like we mentioned, around Kepa. I don't know if you got to read about Timo Werner and there was a lot of talk after yeah. the game again mm. about why he didn't take one. I think he had a bit of cramp or a bit of stiffness in his leg, so he couldn't take one, but... You know, cruise through to the you know last sixteen. We were with the first ball drawn out of the uh, cup yesterday. Harry Redknapp mm-hmm. and Mika Richards were doing the draw. First name out comes is Chelsea with Southampton. So let's talk about that. Another home tie. We should beat them. Uh, I believe. I think we should be able to you know comfortably deal with Southampton.
1: Yeah, I'm glad it's another home game, which means I can can make the short trip to Stamford Bridge across the road. So I'll be definitely going to that, and I do think when you look at some of the other teams involved in the draw, the likes of Liverpool, City, Tottenham, even West Ham, I suppose. I think we're quite we, we're quite lucky to have drawn um drawn Southampton at home, and I'm, I'm interested to see if um is bro would would Broher be allowed to start that one? I mean, seeing it's a league game, I'm not too sure, or a, a league cup game. Would. No, I don't think he would. But Livermore, he's been an absolute talent for um Southampton, yeah. uh, you know, since he he signed and a lot of United fans when um. Southampton played um, played Chelsea earlier in the season. They messaged me being like, "Why did you let this guy go? He's absolutely fantastic at, at right back." So um, I think he'll he'll probably start that game if he's not kind of starting every week in the prem. And um, but yeah, I definitely Southampton. i happily take that home draw. I do feel like they're slightly weakened from um, from the summer after losing um, Danny Ings. So yeah, I think yeah. there's no reason why we shouldn't qualify from that game playing a similar team to the one we did um, yesterday.
0: And I feel like now that we're in the last 16, I know this is the bottom of the priority in terms of, you know, you look at the Champions League, Premier League, FA Cup and, you know, Carabao Cup is always at the bottom, but it's still a trophy. And I know I said on the previous episode, if we were to go out to Villa, it's not the end of the world. But Mm. I think now that we're in the last 16, you know, you do think about that Wembley sort of day out or, you know, lifting the trophy it does mean something still a mm-hmm. trophy. So I think we should still focus 100%. on the fact that we can win it. it you know, yeah. United have gone out, which to, to be honest, that does surprise me because I think that's their, this is no disrespect to United fans, but that's their realistic opportunity to get a trophy, which Solskjaer does need. You know, he, you know he did, they lost the Europa League last season. So I think for them, that is their only opportunity to get a trophy. They're not going to win the Premier League. You know, they're not going to win the Champions League, if you're being honest. The FA Cup, we don't know, but I think um yeah, you know, I think for us, I think we've just got to focus now on, on trying to get to the final. Mm. It's a it's a, you know, it's a trophy that you can get rid of. I think in feb is it the end of Feb, the final.
1: So Yeah, some you know. something like that. I think last year it was April because um for COVID reasons, COVID. wanting fans back or something. But um I know hundred percent. There's no reason why we shouldn't go all the way. And similarly to you, I was kind of went I walked to Stanford Bridge yesterday just thinking, you know watch the second team, whatever happens, happens. If we lose, it's not the end of the world. But as the game progressed, and especially during that penalty shootout, I had my kind of, my hood up almost, you know, really nervous, <laughs> thinking oh, I really want to win this now, you know, and now that we're in the second round, I want to win this even more. And, but yeah, you know, Wembley, Wembley trip for the final is always nice. And I think VAR only comes into place in the semis. So there could be a bit of, you know, luck or not having any luck, you know, the games in between. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I'll happily take a good cup run. Yeah, definitely,
0: and we'll have to see. I think we, I think the the um, next fixtures are, are playing week commencing the twenty third of October. So yeah. it's gonna be, uh, it's not too long to wait now. Obviously, it's only a few weeks away, but let's take our attention away from the Carabao Cup. Big game on Saturday, Manchester City afternoon kickoff, which I hate. I hate early kickoffs because it can just ruin your weekend. But <laughs> it is a good time to be playing Manchester City, in my opinion. I think they're very weak. They don't seem the team that is very much, there's not a lot of togetherness that you can see. There's something that isn't right there. And I don't know whether that's just because of Pep's comments that he's coming out with at the moment. He's very sort of sporadic in what he's saying in his press conferences, but also just the fact that, you know, it's just something doesn't seem right there. So we know how they can play. We know that Pep likes to overthink things when it comes to Playing Chelsea, which we've seen before, obviously Champions League final being one of those those moments. But just in terms of the game, what what are you expecting? Obviously, we'll have our full squad back. We've rested ten of them, so Mendy should be back, hopefully fully fit for that game as well. Maybe Kepa starts. We don't know. But what's your what's your sort of predictions and your expectations against Manchester City?
1: Um, I kind of feel like similarly to the the City tie um, end of season last year at the Etihad and a bit like the Tottenham game we saw um, at the weekend. And, and like yesterday, I think it's going to be a game of, both, of two halves with, um, I think, City scoring maybe an early goal and then Chelsea winning the second half. But um, it's just so hard to... You don't really know what you're getting with Manchester City at the moment, like you said. I feel it's very difficult. Like that Southampton game on paper, they should be winning that easily. But, you know... Guardiola makes things harder for himself and ends up, you know, drawing nil-nil and they were unlucky not, not to even lose that game. Um, uh, they were lucky not to lose it. So um, it's it's going to be a tricky game. You just look at the, the quality of the the City squad and that kind of, you know, makes you think it's going to be a lot more even than it should be. Then you look at some of the injuries and Tuchel's record against um, Guardiola and you start to think this could you know, plan in favour to Chelsea. So um, I think actually... We are going to win it. I'm, I'm ready to do my predictions, but <laughs> I, think, um, I think we are going to win it. Like I said, City will score, I think, just based on the quality they have in their squad. But I think Chelsea will score two in the second half. So I think 2-1 to Chelsea. But I'm expecting a very kind of almost a very unpredictable game in a way. And kind of you have phases of play from Chelsea where you're thinking like, are we actually playing Manchester City simply because how good we are? And that's what Tuchel, you know, kind of installed in his team. It's a kind of like domination against big teams. And we saw that in the first half of the Champions League final. If I remember some, you know, some big chances we were having against Manchester City. I think a Werner chance quite early on. And you're thinking like, you know, how are we creating these chances so easily against Manchester City? So, um, yeah, I think it will be a very even game, but also an unpredictable game. Yeah, it's
0: going to be, for me, it's going to be very interesting because I think the list that you sent me, uh, I think it was yesterday or the Mm. day before, the list of injuries that Man City have got at the moment, if that is still relatively correct, you know, I see that we can can easily take three points off them. I I, I like Nathan Ake as a centre-back, but I just Mm. don't think he's going to be able to cope with the likes of Lukaku or, you know, a Timo Werner or whoever it is, you know, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, they're going to be... You know, Tuchel likes that sort of high intensity, the pressure. I just don't know if they'll be able to cope with that, you know, in terms of um, how we're going to be setting up. I I suppose one thing we do have to remember, and again, it's probably one of the best times to play them, is City do start the season very slow in Mm. terms of, you know, they don't necessarily win all their games. It's normally this sort of after Christmas, you'll, you know, you'll see them go on like a 20 game run or something, you know, 18 game run and win every single game. So this is probably the best time to play them in my opinion, because I feel like, as I mentioned, there's something that just doesn't feel right about City, wherever the fact that, you know, they, they've kind of lost a big figure in Sergio Aguero, who, although he was injured for relatively most of last season, was still a big character to, to have, you know, around the, the team as well. I, I do feel like we've got the upper hand on the fact that we do have an, an out-and-out number nine, which mm-hmm. is very crucial I feel like in these kind of games you mentioned around that the chances that we we created in the first half in the Champions League if we had Lakaku up front that, you know in that game you can only imagine how many of those chances probably would have been put away in the, in the, in the final so for me you know it's going to be interesting um, I, I'm, I'm going to be very diplomatic and say that I probably wouldn't play Mendy based on the fact that Kepa is actually in very good form at the moment and it'd be very unfair for him to lose his spot after the game at Tottenham, and uh, you know the Villa game as well, he's be, you know he hasn't put a foot wrong. So to drop him potentially, this could be the the best time for Kepper to beat you know to play against Man City as well. So um, I'm going to ask you a question around sort of the sort of left left back side, you know left wing back. Obviously, we got to see Ben Chilwell last night against Aston Villa, but is this a game where you'd more likely trust Alonso because you know he can actually deliver the ball? um you know into the box a bit more. He likes to get forward a lot more as well. Is that is this kind of the game that you would potentially put Alonso back in
1: the, the lineup? I think Alonso definitely stays in the lineup. There's no reason why we shouldn't drop him based on you know the games he's played this season. I think in every single one of them he's looked like he's defended well. He's created chances but also he's looked like the Alonso we saw in the Conte was also able to provide goals uh, unlucky enough to score against Spurs. He loves a goal against Spurs and I think he had two decent chances against Lois but um, you know, when you've got a player a bit like Keppel, you mentioned who's on form, why should you drop him a bit why same with Alonso? He's playing amazingly. And I still see a Chelsea fans on Twitter being like, When is Tuchel gonna drop Alonso? You know, when's uh, why, when's Alonso gonna be benched? And in my head I'm thinking like, This is the start <laughs> to get to the stage now where this guy's a scapegoat, you know, like yeah. he plays almost an eight out of ten game and you still want him dropped. Like, this is foolish. So, um, I think he will start and against Tottenham we were seeing it he was almost like the second striker alongside Lukaku at times so um, that's what you want against City you don't want to just rely on your you know, attacking players to score goals but also your maybe your more defensive players or your 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 you know your fullbacks so um, I think the reason he was rested against Villa means that he will be starting um, on Saturday and I think I love Chilwell don't get me wrong but you're starting to think now when's Chilwell actually going to have that chance to break back into the team if Alonso's playing as well so um, yeah it's a bit of a, it's a pleasant dilemma to have at the same time, two very good left backs. But at the same time, um, maybe you start to think like which, which one's younger, which one's older. Maybe you shouldn't, you know, try to prioritize the one that's younger as well. But as I said, if you're basing it on form, Alonso has to start. Yeah.
0: And, and I agree. I thought I'd ask the question, but yeah, I think he's, you know, he's in form. He hasn't, again, very much like Kepper you know, he hasn't put a foot wrong when he's been, been asked to play. So why change what isn't broken? But one player that I did, we haven't mentioned, and um, again, I was very impressed the first half with him, was Sal Niguez, who I thought had a very sort of good game, but he kind of peaked out the game in parts. But my question, I suppose, is, you know, what point are we going to try and blend him into the Premier League? Because he's, he just seems like the two... get Well, obviously, we didn't get to see the first game. He got subbed off. But in terms of last night as well, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's the right fit for us at Chelsea. I don't know. Mm, you know he's got so many midfielders ahead of him as well. You know, what, it's what's still early. It's
1: still, it's still early. I do, I do agree with you. I feel like what I've seen from him this so far, I'm almost thinking like, could we have just waited to have Gilmore back or just maybe focused on putting Loftus-Cheek in that position or even a Barkley. But at the same time, we've only seen him for, you know, just over 90 minutes of football. Yeah. So um, it's a bit harsh to base him on that. And like I said, with Malang Sarr, it's going to take him some time to adapt to um, English football. And I think the transition from La Liga to the Premier League is never easy. Never, never easy. So um, I'm confident he's a good player. I just kind of, you start to think now when will Chelsea fans start to get impatient with, you know, expectations with him. So hopefully come, you know, the October month when we have some easier games against, you know, no disrespect to them, but like, Bottom half Premier League teams, then maybe you're thinking these are the type of games you want him to kind of showcase his ability against and maybe get some game time. But um, but I agree, I kind of do want to see a bit more of him and um, more tenacity and a bit more creativity on the ball from him.
0: Yeah, and we did see we did see spells of that against Villa. Mm. You know, he definitely had a better game, um, you know, last night than he did in the previous. But I just feel like there's something that you you know you're probably 100 percent right in terms of it, you know it's just got to give him that that time to to gel with the team and almost get used to playing in the Premier League as well. So that is, that, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. So it's going to be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting because I don't know if he carries on playing like that, if we're going to really, you know, get that sort of permanent move on the go. I don't think we need to. I think we've got Billy Gilmore there. You know, you just mentioned Ruben, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how his season unfolds with us as well. Um, hopefully it goes well. You know, I think he's a very good player. He's very talented. Um, admittedly I haven't watched a lot of him when he was at um, Atletico Madrid but I just know that from what I have watched of him he's a good player so it's going to be interesting but going back to Saturday predictions (laughs) I'm going to let you go first
1: I kind of said mine earlier but I'll stick with what I said stick with what I put on the app today 2-1 Chelsea I think 2-1 Chelsea
0: 2-1 Chelsea I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea actually Mm. I'm I'm going to I'm going to copy you. And I do think even if it's Mendy or Kepper, I think City have got goals in them. We know mm-hmm. that, you know, they don't need a number nine to score goals. So I, I do think they'll score. Um, I, I think it's going to be, I'm going to say Lukaku, two goals. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he'll carry on his goal streak. And, you know, he's, um, even you know, last night when he came on, he was just looking for the ball and he just wants the ball all the time. He wants it played to his feet or, you know, he's pointed where he wants it. So if he plays how he did, you know, the last couple of games for us, I can see Lukaku definitely scoring. And I, like I said, I don't think that defence is gonna be able to cope with him. I really if, mm, especially no. if it's Nathan Ake as well.
1: Yeah.
0: I like him. You know, he's he's ex Chelsea, so I've gotta like him. But in terms of how he's developed, it hasn't gone the best. You know, he didn't have a good time at Bournemouth. He hasn't really had the, the right right time at City as well. But you know, we'll have to see. But two yeah, more I
1: do yeah, I do agree with that about Nathan Ake and um I saw quite a surprising stat that um, Donny van der Beek's played more minutes of Premier League football than Nathan Ake since their yeah. moves to you know their clubs last season I think I saw some that's three, shocking. yeah really horrible news that his father passed away I think a week ago as well so maybe his, you know his head's not you know right at the moment yeah. in terms of football playing football so um, it won't be an easy game for him if he does play on Saturday so yeah and that's, but, that's a um, massive dilemma a massive yeah. dilemma for for
0: him and for City as well Mm-hmm. But, okay uh, so but, yeah sorry
1: no but uh, just last thing on City uh, they've got they don't have a number nine to they can still score goals but I think the fact that they have a number nine will cost them the league I think on the long yeah, term
0: and it'd be surprising if they get a, a number nine in, um mm. you know during January I mean I can't see many number nines moving yeah. and not many number well, not many clubs want to sell their striker you know midway through a season so it'll be interesting. But like you said, you know, they don't need to. They've got Jack Grealish, they've got Riyad Mahrez, they've got Ferran Torres, they've got uh, Kevin De Bruyne, who I think is injured, <laughs> I think at the moment. So they've got Gundogan. Yeah. I feel like Foden. I'm missing someone. Phil Foden, who I think might be injured as well. But-
1: Bernardo Silva. Yeah. It's- <laughs> Bernardo
0: Silva. They've got, they've got people who get goals. Although I did read a good stat today about Chelsea. I think Timo Werner was the 12th player this season to score for us. Mm. I think. That might be right. So, I mean, we've got, we've got goals in us as well. It's not just Lukaku that's scoring the goals. You know, we've got, you know, our defenders scored the goals against Tottenham and, well, Kante as well. So it's not just Lukaku. So I think it's going to be interesting. I'm going to go 2-1 like you.
1: And yeah, Lukaku to get 2. Lukaku and four, Christensen three. for me. I'm going to say that. Christensen.
0: Christensen. Yeah. A, a bullet header from a corner. Or maybe it's exactly. a rocket
1: from outside the box, actually. Like in yeah. Euros. We've seen all our defenders score this season except him. So I think his goal's due now. his, his time's coming. Mm. Yeah. But
0: we can review the game next week. Hopefully it doesn't ruin our weekend. I hate early kickoffs. It's the worst thing ever because it just if we lose, it's just, you know, you've got to watch football. Painfully watch football for the rest of the weekend. So fingers crossed, we win. We go both going two one. Hopefully we're here next week and we can be not even right. I don't really care if it's free one. As long as we <laughs> win, we get three points. Yeah. I'm happy. So um yeah, you know, let's let's hope we can stick to the top of the league. Cause I think it's going to be tough. You know, Liverpool are going to be the I think Liverpool's going to be our closest rivals this season. And um, when you look at it, I know City are a city, but United will drop off I think yeah it's going to be tough for Liverpool. Obviously we mentioned you know they're going to lose a lot of players uh say a lot but three or four players I think in the African Cup of Nations. But Mane and Salah being key ones but I still think they'll be okay you know I think they'll be okay so we've got to beat City so for me this is our real big test our first test of the season I know Liverpool is a big game but this is our first real test of the season and this is where our season technically starts now so we've had our sort of dress rehearsal this is the real stuff now agree I have to agree yeah
1: it's gonna be I feel like when you look at the quality of the opposition we play, despite there being some big big Premier League teams in there they don't really come close to City so um, I think it'll be the hardest game of the season on Saturday probably definitely the hardest Premier League fixture at least as well
0: yeah let's hope for three points as always um, but yeah as always as well before we wrap up you can follow us on Twitter at from the end and on Instagram as well at from the shed end with underscore between each of the words. We're also on YouTube, so give us a like and a subscribe. Um follow us on there as well, comments as well, interact with us on there. And Fio, if you just want to tell the listeners where they can find you as well.
1: Yep. So you can follow me on Twitter um at Seski Time. So Seski spelled the Sesk Fabrigas way. A lot of match day content, pictures and also just some Chelsea news and everything Chelsea related. So drop me a follow on there.
0: And you've also got your uh, your Champions League journal that you do as well. Yeah, you don't yeah. mention on here, but you're gonna have to start mentioning. Uh, I'll try <laughs> to. Yeah. Very, very good. So if you haven't uh, read any of those, I'm sure you can direct everyone to where they are and they can read them as well. So they're really good, really imp- uh, you know insightful in terms of the Champions League for Chelsea as well. So some good stuff happening there. But this has been episode 25 of From the Shed End podcast. Until next week, when we beat Man City, we will be back.